0: How often do we question things in life? How often do people stop going to church and, or take a break from church because they begin to question things in their faith? <clears throat> One of the biggest groups of people that begin to question things in faith are teens and young adults. Statistics say that 70% of teens, when they graduate, stop going to church. That's a lot of people. <clears throat> One of the main reasons is because they begin to question. Questioning God and questioning things in faith all began at the beginning of time in the garden with Satan, when Satan made Eve start to question. Ever since then, we have questioned so many things in life. Today, I want to tell you about two people that question things in their faith. The first person I want to talk to you about is a man named Job. Job was a man that is talked about in the Old Testament. Job had a lot of cattle. 11,000 total. He was very rich. The Bible says that he was the greatest man of the East. Job had seven sons and daughters. In Job chapter 1, Satan goes to God and accuses Job of obeying God only for the blessings he is getting. So God grants Satan uh, the wish of doing whatever he wants to Job. So Job gets everything taken away from him. All his cattle, all his kids die his riches, everything is taken away. Job began to question life. He was depressed and wished he was dead. That brings me to my first point, Job questioned life. If you read with me Job 3, 1 through 5, verses 1 through 5, it says, "'After this opened Job his mouth and cursed this day. And Job spake and said, "'Let the day perish wherein I was born. "'And the night in which it was said, "'There was a man-child conceived.'" Let the day be dark. Let not God regard it from above. Neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of day terrify it. He wished he was never born. He says, let the day perish where I was born. Let God not recognize it. If you keep reading in the chapter, he starts wondering and asking why he didn't die when he was born. He wanted all the pain to be over He wanted it to be ended. He wanted to die. It says he longed for it. Job 6, 8 and 9, it says, Oh, that I might have my one request, and that God would grant me the thing that I long for. Even that it would please God to destroy me, and he wouldn't let loose his hand and cut me off. He asked God to kill him. He asked God to take his life away and have no mercy. He didn't care how he died. He wanted it to be ended. He wanted it to be over. He didn't want to see tomorrow. So many people question life and question if it's worth living. Some of you in this room right now are maybe not questioning if you want to live to see tomorrow, but you're questioning life as a father, life as a mother, as a husband or wife. Satan tells us that no one loves us. Satan tells us no one will care if you leave, if you die. Satan makes us think that you should leave your spouse, that that you should go away. Satan makes us question life. Satan makes us question if it's worth living. Job had other people questioning him. His wife questioned Job two nine it says then said his wife unto him dost thou still retain thine integrity curse God and die she asks Job does he still retain his integrity does Job still believe he's innocent do you still believe it she is questioning Job's innocence she told him to curse God and die she told him basically to go kill himself. Your family might not tell you to your face that you should go die. But family affects us in ways others can't. Whether it be when you and your spouse are fighting. Whether it be when, if you're a teen and your parents are fighting. These things can cause us to question life and if it's worth living. Almost all the people I've seen that are depressed and want to kill themselves, it's because of a family issue. Family affects us in ways others can't. God had a plan for Job. If you read it with me, Job 1.8, it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? God says that there is none like Job. He said that he is, an up, he is a perfect and upright man. He was one that escheweth evil. If Job knew what God thought of him, he wouldn't be having these doubts. He wouldn't want to kill himself. He wouldn't want to die. Even though Job didn't know this, that God knew, thought this about him, Job still had faith. Job still waited. He didn't give up. His friends also questioned. Job 4, 1 through 9, it says, Then Eliphaz the Tamanite answered and said, If we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholded him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now it is come upon thee, and thou faintest, it toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprighteousness of thy ways? Remember, I pray ye, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils <clears throat> are they consumed. The person talking in this scripture is one of Job's friends, Eliphaz. <clears throat> he says, if you sow wickedness, you reap the same thing. He's accusing Job of sinning. He says this is the only reason why God would... Wa- Uh, wished this upon him, that God would do this to him, that everything would be taken away. He tells Job whatever he did is angering God, and that's why this is happening to Job. All through the book of Job, his friends are constantly accusing Job of these different sins. At one point, they start making hypothetical lists of sins he could have done to make God angry with him. Our friends often question our walk with God and if our heart is right with him. Job 16.20 says, My friends scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. Job was scorned by his friends. The meaning of scorn is to feel or express contempt or derision for, contemptuous, ridicule, or mockery. You see, his friends were scorners. The meaning of scorner is the feeling or belief that someone or something is worthless. Let me say that again. The feeling or... The feeling or belief that someone or something is worthless. I don't know how Job could have called them his friends. Friends don't mock. Friends don't scorn you. The Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. We should sharpen one another. Maybe you don't have the best people in your life. Maybe you have people scorning you and not sharpening you. Ignore the scorners. Proverbs 6, or 14, 6, and 7 it says, A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. But knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceiveth not in him the lips of knowledge. It's basically saying, flee from the scorners. Flee from the ones that are not wise. They are foolish. When someone is scorning you, just leave. Ignore them. They have no wisdom. They are not wise. They are foolish. That brings me to my second point. John the Baptist questioned his message. John the Baptist was a preacher in the New Testament. He preached about the coming of the Messiah. He also baptized people, <clears throat> and he preached when Jesus was alive. John was a very odd person. He wore camel skin and he would eat locusts. He was very grounded in his belief, though. He was very wise. In Matthew 3.13, it says, uh, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Jesus went to John and asked him to baptize him. So John did it, John baptized Jesus. And then something amazing happened. If you keep reading with me in chapter three, it goes on to say, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The almighty, all-powerful God, creator of the universe, spoke to John and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God literally spoke to John and told him this. If anyone should believe, it's John the Baptist. He was told by God. If you go on to read further into Matthew, specifically Matthew 11, 1 through 3, it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? He questioned if Jesus was the one. John the Baptist questioned. A man who was told by God questioned if Jesus was the Messiah. This just goes to show anybody can start to question and doubt faith. No matter how grounded you are in faith, no matter if you're a pastor, if you read your Bible three times a day, pray for hours, fast twice a week, it doesn't matter. Jesus gave God, John assurance. Oh crap. Jesus gave John assurance. Let me tell you how John, Jesus gave John assurance. Read with me Matthew 11:4. It says, "Jesus answered and said unto them, "Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see." Jesus sent John a message. Some of you need to hear Jesus' message. Some of you need to hear the voice of God. Not that TV show, not that Facebook post, not that scorner. You need to hear the voice of God, God's message for you. If you keep reading with me, Matthew 11:4 through6, or four, yeah, four through six, Jesus answered and said unto them, "Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. He reminds Job of the miracles he's done. Maybe you need to be reminded of the miracles that God has done for you, the blessings he's done, how he died on the cross, the blood shed, the 39 lashes to the back, everything that he's done for you, The pain, the mockery? What about the miracles? The blessings? How you wake up with the breath in your lungs? Not everybody gets that. Not everybody wakes up tomorrow. Somebody died this morning because they didn't wake up. He questioned his purpose. If he was questioning his message, he would have been questioning himself and if he made the right decision to follow God, Jesus. He was in prison because of the teachings and the preaching. He was most likely on death row and to die. Many of you question if it's worth following God. If you you are worthy, if you are good enough, if you're truly a Christian. We all do it. We all question ourselves but she, Jesus chose John. Keep reading with me in Matthew 11:7 through 11. It says, "And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out to see into the wilderness to see a reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see, a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft right clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see, a prophet?" Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that is born of women, there has not risen a greater man than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus says that he is more than a prophet. Jesus says that he was chosen to preach and prepare for the coming of Christ. We all have a purpose in life. We all should live and do something. We all have something big in life, something in God's timing. In verse 11, it says, No one has risen greater than John. Jesus, the Son of God, said that no man has risen greater than John the Baptist. You may be doubting yourself, but God has a purpose for you. God has a plan through your storm. When you thinks that you're not good enough, God thinks you're good enough. He wouldn't be putting you in that storm if he didn't think you were.